20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome into an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I am so happy to be joined once again by the one and only Peter Bukowski. Of course, you can find him on X at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can find him on the frustratingly, wildly successful Locked On Packers podcast. Uh, Of course, you can find him over on The Leap as well, which if you want to find that, theleap.substack.com. Peter, it is great to have you back. How the heck have you been? I'm good. Um, Just just recovering from a week in Las Vegas. Takes some time at our age, unfortunately for us. (laughs) So, um, and then I was at Nashville over the weekend. So, uh, this is, this is a lot on, on my, uh, my dad body right now. So I'm just, I'm just trying to make it through right now. I, I can feel that hundred percent had a week in Florida, then spent a week ill. So also trying to catch up. So we're sort of in a similar spot, although I'd rather be, I think in Nashville than spending time sick, but, uh, either way, uh, both playing catch up uh, since we are playing catch up a little bit, obviously a, it's been a while since you and I've had the opportunity to chat, yeah. um, far too long, but, uh, one of arguably what's going to be the biggest moves that the Packers probably make this entire offseason has already taken place. And that has been with the hiring of Jeff Halfley as defensive coordinator. Uh, we'll see if they, you know, you know, maybe do something bigger down the line. But right now, this is a pretty big and significant move. Just off the top, your view of this hire, are you excited? Are you underwhelmed? Like, where are you at with the entire process and who they ultimately ended on? You know, I think initially um, my response was, uh, who? What? Yep. Um, and I think that was the response from a lot of people. Um, I, w- I, w- I would say a lot of people outside of the know, and certainly a lot of people outside college football. Um, I think, I think in Packerland, we maybe got a little hooked into Jim Leonard as the, the collegiate coach um, to the NFL jump. And what, what I found so striking and Pete Thamel mentioned this when he broke the story and, and Ian Rappaport mentioned this um, in, in confirming the story is that, that was a bigger deal in college football than the NFL. Like the Packers hiring a new defensive coordinator doesn't make shockwave sudden says shockwaves to the sport, but a head coach leaving college football for an NFL coordinator job. And what is almost assuredly a pay cut tells us a lot about where head coaches in college football feel the sport is headed. And I was talking to someone at Super Bowl about this and they were like, by the way, they um, uh, background on the pro personnel side in the NFL um, and with, with a connection to that part of the country. And they were like, if you're Jeff Halfley, you have to recruit all these guys twice or three times. You got to recruit them to come. And then if they're good, you got to recruit them to stay. Because if you don't, Miami's going to get them. Alabama's going to get them. Jordan, like it with the transfer portal, the way that it is, that's just the reality. Now, everyone that I've talked to and all of the research that I've done says Jeff Halfley is a coach's coach. He is someone who just is obsessed with coaching football and he even said that there was that great interview that he did yeah. um, that, that I played a little snippet of in, in um, Locked on Packers, where he said he, he misses coaching. He wanted to find ways to coach DBs again because yep. he, he missed doing that. And, and as a Packer fan, you have to love hearing that because you, you, what you want is someone who's going to come to Green Bay and feel invigorated by it, who's going to take this opportunity and say, I can't wait to coach these guys up and bring this new mindset. So, you know, the... The four three three four stuff, I think it's actually overrated how underrated it is. Um, I, I actually do think it matters more than some have said, but um, I think generally more what you're what you're looking at is the mindset difference, the philosophy difference. I mean, you look at what Jim Schwartz did 
in Cleveland um, with essentially the same roster. Like they added Zadarius Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson who are good players, but yep. everyone else got better. Like Denzel Ward had his best season. You look at the safeties, they had their best season. Jeremiah, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, like they, just the philosophy change can be so crucial. And and I think um, it was it was just necessary to have someone who was just going to be so philosophically different from what Joe Barry was um, that, that I think that that makes it particularly interesting from a Matt LaFleur standpoint, because it's sort of like, does Matt LaFleur know what he wants to be defensively? Because Mike Patton is not like Joe Barry and Joe Barry is not like Jeff Halfley and Jeff Halfley is not really like Mike Patton. There's some similarities. And in fact, he coached for Mike Patton right back in Cleveland. Yeah. But it does make you wonder, like, does Matt LaFleur really know what he wants from a defense? I, you know, I don't know. And it doesn't matter. I don't know that either. I think he did when he hired Joe Barry. I think he wanted that cover for style of defense. He kind of went on board as saying that. And then I think he just sort of recognized that it wasn't working anymore. And any of the people that were running it were not having that level of success. I think he was probably wise and smart. And you literally took the words out of, of my mouth of like a, a complete philosophical difference going from Joe Barry to this Jeff Halfley system. Who are, who are you most looking forward to seeing? And not only just with Halfley, but with Campanile as the linebackers coach and obviously bring in a, a handful of different coaches. But who are you most excited about? Who do you think could potentially thrive in this style of system? I have a couple off the top of my mind, but I want to pick your brain first. Um, I, Like... It is partially dependent, I think, on what shakes out in free agency. Um, I know that's a little bit of a cop out, but I'd like to yeah, I'd yeah. like to know who's playing where. Like, if, is Keyshawn Nixon back? I don't want to preempt another question that I think we're going to hit on a little bit later. Yeah. Um, like, I I actually think Darnell Savage is a great fit in this defense, um, but his contract just voided. So, what is the future of him? Five million in dead money or whatever it is, and so that makes me. I think question his future in green Bay. I would have liked to have seen that a year ago or two years ago. Um, all these corners is really my answer. Like Carrington Valentine, give him a chance to press guys more often. Eric Stokes, give him a, give him a chance to press guys more often. Jair Alexander, like that is, I think something that Jeff Halfley with those guys, it has to be a really exciting thing to think about what he can do with those, a defensive backs coach, someone who, and this was someone I, I spoke to a league source before the, the process was, was complete. And they said, you know, I think the best thing green Bay can do is hire someone whose focus is the passing game. Who's, who's yeah. a defensive backs coach by trade. Um, it was kind of why I had locked into Denard Wilson, honestly, because I thought that made a lot of sense. Um, but this is the same kind of thing. And so these defensive backs getting the most out of where you've invested all of this draft capital and then let Rashawn Gary and Lucas Van Ness and Preston Smith and Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt and Carl Brooks and Kobe Wooden, like this front is loaded with dudes. Just let them go hunt the way that those 49ers teams with Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans did. Like it's it, that it, it makes so much sense in retrospect that that's how they went about this. Yeah, I think so too. I'm with you in the corners. I also think I'm really excited to see Kenny with a potential move back to nose and just, I think he can be one of the better pass rushing nose tackles in that specific spot. Yeah, the Javon Hargrave role. Yeah, exactly. I think it's going to be a perfect fit for him there. And I just really want to see, can Quay Walker take a jump in this style system? Does he have as much on his plate? Can he just kind of read and react a little bit more? I'm intrigued, if nothing else, just to see how he kind of responds to this entire change. Because I think, I still think there's something that's there. I'm not totally sold on what we've seen over these past two seasons, but I still want to be hopeful because the dude is just such a freak athlete. And I really want to see him take that next step and succeed at a high level. I'm pretty skeptical of Quay Walker, I'll be honest. Um, I'm, I'm not I, against just, that. I, the, the athleticism, of course, jumps off. Um, but 
I didn't see the athleticism translate enough at Georgia. And I think linebacker is one of those spots and we've seen it over the years. And, and I'm, you know, like anyone that knows my work at all knows that I'm kind of obsessed with the measurables and the athleticism and relative athletic score and all that stuff. But at linebacker, if you don't have instincts, you can't play. And I, I just, I worry about him understanding where to go. Ben Fennell has a great line about these kinds of linebackers, these task oriented linebackers go blitz the quarterback. Quay can do that, especially if you give him a free run. Like he's gonna, he's gonna mess something up. Um, he's going to just create problems in the backfield. Um, oh, go cover that guy. Yeah, he can do that. We saw him run step for step with Saquon Barkley down the left sideline in in London yep. two years ago. It's everything else: spatial awareness and zone coverage. It's running the alley, getting off blocks, and and it's stuff that I just, I think they have to. There, there is one. There's a, a take I've been workshopping here, Andy, that I'll drop on your show. Do it. I think the the under discussed at this moment pick in the first round is um, the linebacker from Texas A&M, Edwin Cooper, who uh, he's going to test off the charts. He is a downhill, like Devin White style. He can blitz. He can make plays in the backfield. He wasn't asked to move back a bunch, you know, to to play moving back backward. But that is someone like, let Anthony Campanile coach that dude up and put him with Quay Walker and just have these two guys who just fly around I would not be surprised at all if you get an off-ball linebacker in round one, given all of the, or even at 41, but I, I frankly, I think Cooper's going to end up being a first-round pick when all said and done. Man, these best defenses have linebackers that fly around. I would not I mean, look at the 49ers. Team. You can't play this yeah. defense without linebackers, Andy. Like, yep. Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw make those defenses work. Houston yep. was nowhere near as good last year with D'Amico Ryans because they don't have any linebackers. And I, I just, I, there's investment coming there. I'm, I'm interested to see what it look, looks like. And frankly, I wouldn't be opposed if Devin White is not looking at top of market money to something like that, just a, just a little bit of a pedigreed rehab project. If it's going to be 5 million, 8 million for one year and a, on a prove it deal, let's see. Yeah. Don't hate it either. I, I talked about yesterday of like where each position group is at, like, could, could they win a Super Bowl with these, you know, each individual position groups and inside linebacker is one of the ones where I'm like, I'm not sure right now. Obviously I think we're probably both in the same page that we think Devondre is going to be gone. Um, I, I know yeah. people are like, well, McDuffie, you know, he played in Boston College. That's going to be, I'm not ready for, you know, Isaiah McDuffie to play eight, 900 snaps in a given season. I'm He's not there. And and you and I, I think are very much on the same page. While I'm excited to see Quay in a new defense, it's more because I saw him very similarly to you, not have the success that we were all hoping for in this last defense. So inside linebacker to me, a very underrated need. We are in lockstep on that. I, I want to talk to you about a couple other things from a coaching standpoint, um, you had mentioned, uh, and I know you wrote an article on it. I know you did an episode on it on locked on, but maybe some of the players didn't think that maybe there were a ton of coaching changes that were needed. Mm. Maybe not super happy with some of those coaching changes. Yeah. I, I don't want to like put, have you put everything out there since I know you have an article on it, but anything that you want to share from that side of things. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're past it long enough that I, that I hope people were, were able to find it. Um, I would love for you to go subscribe to the leap. Um, we just, just so Everyone knows if you're not subscribed, we value original reporting. We we value original analysis. And I think those are things that, that you know, Andy too, and, and all of the projects that you've been involved with, that we've been involved with, that has been something that we have tried to do to stand out from people without being clickbaity. And, and I think we've done a good job of that. But the leap was out front on a lot of this coaching stuff um, over the course of the off season. And it is interesting, right? When the, the noise from the outside, from people like us, whose job it is to, to yap into the microphone, about Joe Barry and and the defense and the philosophical issues and all that. The players 
at least from what I've been told, did not have, by and large, like by consensus, did not have nearly as big a problem with the defense as we did on the outside. I, and I think part of that, and, and you heard Jair in, in August say, we can't worry about the call. We're good enough that we can just go play. And I think that feeling from a player standpoint, you're going, look, I know like Joe Barry does not run everyone's favorite defense, but these guys just thought they were good enough to be better than they were. Like they, it was annoying to them too, that they weren't better, but they believed they could be better. And part of that is like psycho athlete competitiveness, right? Like that's part of the deal. And there's also part of this where you go, okay, well, some guys didn't like that their position coaches are no longer on the team. That's natural. That's normal. Like you can think that there are structural issues. Um, it's like how everyone thinks Congress sucks, but their representative is dope. It's like, I like my guy, but everyone else is a moron. Like, I think there's some of that in, in these sort of circumstances and that's part of it. And then also, you know, there's, there's in at least one case, um, you know, a coach who is, is coming back and there were there were some key players, um, in that room who, who felt like he was already a little in over his head. And now in, in, in. Um, you know, a role where maybe he has to, they've, they've streamlined the coaching staff a little bit um, because of um, the, the change in front. And so, you know, linebackers, defensive line, you, you know, you, you say you have your normal secondary stuff, but like, is it, is it all that it needs to be right now? I, look, I don't know. And, and what's it, what I found really interesting, Andy, was the response when I wrote about this was good from fans. Like, yeah. I'm, I, or, or like, I don't care. Like they don't care that the players like these coaches. It, it was time for a change. In a lot of ways, I agree. Like just because you liked a manager and we can think about this in our own lives doesn't mean they were doing the job that they needed to do. We've all worked for people that we liked working for that if you take a step back and like look objectively go, yeah, that person is probably not pulling their weight the same way that some of these other people are. Like that's, yeah. that's just a thing that happens in life. Like I think it's a relatable phenomenon. And sometimes you just need a clean slate. I think part of this too is just saying, look, the team messed up when they replaced Mike Pettin with Joe Barry and said, nothing else changes. That that was just objectively a weird decision. And I think this is a, a correction to that and, and saying, look, Jeff Hathaway is going to come in. We're going to give him some say here. Um, and there are some guys that we want to keep on the staff and some guys we don't. And the guys we don't, we're going to say, hey, you can go interview for jobs. We're not going to fire you, but you can go interview, right? Like it's one of those like very nice things. Yeah. Um, we're going to, we're not going to fire you, but we're going to hire someone else to take your job. So please go find another job. It, it uh, is a normal stuff. Like I, I don't want to make it seem like there's more drama going on behind the scenes than there really is. Like, I don't think it was like that, but I think it's important to note that like, you know, not everyone has to be excited as, as excited about it as fans are. What would have been a bigger red flag for you? What we've heard that players were maybe, you know, not super happy that maybe some of the position coaches got let go or some of the changes that were made, or if Jeff Halfley had to come in with the exact same position group coaches that some of which were with Mike Pettin, all of which were with Joe Barry, and he just had to live with these existing coaches. Uh, yeah, that, that part of it would have been a nightmare. Like the second one is, is would have been so clearly um, the, the worst decision. And look, like the guys that are going out, they got jobs right away. Jerry Montgomery, went right to the new England staff. Kirk Olivadotti went right to Seattle staff with a, with like the hottest head coaching candidate on the market. The guy that everyone thinks is a defensive genius. That guy said, I want this guy to coach my linebackers. Yeah. It, it, like he worked with um, the, the guy, the linebackers coach in Baltimore that the Packers reportedly were very interested in hiring. So 
I mean, I think that tells you that these guys had respect around the league, but that is not always the same as doing exactly what you need in a given organization. So um, it, it, it played out in an interesting way, but I think ultimately played out in a way that benefits Green Bay and everyone. I think it benefits Jerry Montgomery to have a fresh start. I think it, it benefits Kirk Olivadotti to go and, and coach with with um, Mike McDonald, who is a really a really respected, really talented young coach. So uh, I'm I'm interested to see how that changes. You mentioned that you thought Anthony Campanile was a potential like fringe DC pick. Yep. What was a big red flag? And we talked about this on Lockdown. I talked about it on Twitter. There were some people like, why fire Joe Barry? You don't have a, an intuitive replacement, right? That was like a thing that happened on on X and um, on the, the talk radio and shows like ours. That's a problem. Like if you don't have a guy that can step in, that means your staff sucks. Yeah. Like that's just a problem with your staff. And the fact that now you have probably two guys, right? I think, I think Derek Ainsley yeah. qualifies here as well. Anthony Campanile, who are seen as potential future defensive coordinators, if not future head coaches, yep. I, I think speaks to a much healthier staff. So yeah, there may be some players who don't love it, but uh, the, the, the staff is just kind of objectively in a better place now than it was before. Could not agree more. It, the the whole like Jerry Montgomery, Olivadotti thing, it, it felt a little bit maybe like a, a James Campen or a Joe Witt Jr. where like they're good yeah. coaches, but it was just time to go in a different yeah. direction and you replace them. They go on and have their solid careers elsewhere and you get new guys in. And by the way, those guys have bounced around since then too. It's not like they have yeah. like, gone on and become like superstar coaches in the league. That has not happened. That's the life of uh, every single assistant coach, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to happen, unfortunately. But I, I like what they did. I'm with you. I think getting a couple guys who have either defensive coordinator experience or likely potential future defensive coordinator experience is super helpful as well. I, I'm I'm really excited how they built this staff overall. I want to go back. Are you surprised to your... they went so young? No, not at all. Um, you mean from a coaching standpoint? Yeah, I mean they did. They basically did the the 2023. 20, personnel like roster personnel thing they just said we're gonna no one over 45 no one on the no one on the coaching staff over 45 sorry no olds allowed yeah no i'm not super surprised um i think their their lone old is uh is left on the special team side of things they're like we get we're gonna have one old and everyone else is gonna be new and fresh and that's what that's what they're gonna do but no i, I wasn't super surprised by that i think they want coaches who can relate to the players are gonna bring that energy and again, the, somebody tried to bring up that this is like an ageism thing. It's like, no, it's just like, this is, I think they were looking for a very specific type of candidate. And I think they went out and got those type of candidates. Did you, were you surprised by it? I wasn't surprised, but I, I guess that like, if you're going to do the thing, like it seems like Matt LaFleur went from not wanting to hold anyone's hand. Like that's the reason you keep Mike Patton is just like, let Mike Patton cook to wanting to have more input. And I, like, it seems like he wanted to go the other way. Like you bring in a guy with head coaching experience that signals to me, just let him handle it. But then all of these young coaches coming in, like, I think there's wisdom in the Sean McVay hiring Wade Phillips kind of thing. But I think Matt LaFleur is a, a, an established enough coach now. And this was a running bit for us on, on my Twitter feed. And then on lockdown as well as, you know, Jordan Rodriguez had this great anecdote from um, Sean McVay and Les Snead, that Les Snead told Sean McVay after the Wade Phillips thing, go find your Sean McVay. Yep. Go take a risk on someone young. Go find the next great coach. And they found Brandon Staley. And for whatever you want to say about Brandon Staley since then, he was objectively awesome in LA. And I've used that word too much objectively, but he was. And to the point that everyone in the league copied their defense. Like that's how, including the Packers. So yep. it's one of those funny things. And I, I think... 
frankly, I think Jeff Halfley being hired is kind of Matt LaFleur saying, I want to find a guy that no one's talking about. I want to find the next great coach rather than I want a guy that, that runs this system or this system. Although I think the 49er system helped certainly. Um, but that, that seems like what happened here. And I think that's a good way to go. I think Halfley, and the more that I've thought about this, is the perfect middle ground of all of those things. I think if you go with somebody like a Christian Parker or a Zach or somebody like that, there is that question of like, man, they have not called plays. They have not been a defensive coordinator. There's going to probably have to be some legitimate handholding, at least at the beginning, to get everything on the, the right path and on the same page. And, you know, if you also go with like a, a Wink Martindale or someone like that, it might be somebody that's pressing too hard in the opposite direction and being like, I'm just going to do my thing. I don't know if you end up with like a, a Terry Stott situation where they're thinking mm -hmm. they're going to be able to run the entire situation like in Milwaukee. And then it's like, they're not seeing eye to eye. Like, I don't know if it was like it to me, Halfley was that perfect middle ground where you're getting this young coach who is going to bring a new mentality, have all that energy, but he also has legitimate, like, CEO experience of having to run Boston college entirely. He can handle a ton on his plate. He's called plays. So like you almost like threaded that needle perfectly with this one candidate who kind of has the best of everything. I, the, the like college part two, when you have to constantly recreate a roster, yep. that is such a benefit to your, your, or a credit to your adaptability. And, and to the point that I mentioned earlier, like someone like Jeff Halfley, you're going to lose guys in the transfer portal if they're any good. And he said, you know what? He did the thing that, that I love. And, and this was something that I've, I've kind of been trying to figure out over the years, why I haven't seen green Bay do it more in games where the Packers offense with Aaron Rodgers struggled against teams where you go, that secondary stinks. Why couldn't they do anything? The answer is almost always because they decided to play a bunch more press man than they're used to seeing. Yeah. And I always have felt like just, just live and die with it. Like it's okay. And I, I think like Wink Martindale is someone who coaches exactly the way that a lot of fans want, want defense to be coached. Just it's, it's you versus me. It's what Gary Ellison calls the cat defense. I got this cat, you got that cat and blitz blitz them into the ground and, and figure it out from there. I mean, Ben Fennel had some great numbers about the blitz rates on third down. I mean, the second highest blitz rate man cover rate on third down in college football not with SEC corners, not with the guys at Ohio State, no, Boston College, Chestnut yeah. Hill. We're talking about like the fifth or sixth best program in the ACC. And he said, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to try and create chaos. And I like, how can you not be excited about that? I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited for <laughs> chaos. I'm so excited. Like I've, I've joked around. I'm like, I'm so excited to get beat deep again. Like the first time somebody right. goes deep over Green Bay and like, you know what? Put on a zero blitz. It'll be a, like a full yep. all out pressure and you'll just be like, okay, well, made a throw. I'm happy. Yep, I'm happy. Tip your cap. You got a 50 yard completion over a corner who was probably in solid coverage and they just beat him on the, I'm cool with it. Uh, I am ready for more of the, the, the big hits and the big misses. I know it's going to happen, but could not be more excited for it. I want to go back to your time in Vegas. You had a great week on radio row, had a lot of great interviews. Jordan love the Marshall Newhouse interview was fantastic. Um, what were your big takeaways from radio row? Maybe some of your favorite moments and some of the things that you're, you've been able to marinate on a little bit more since that time frame. Yeah. Isn't it funny? Like Marshall Newhouse, um, just a, just a guy who's, I think he's been on six or seven NFL teams. Yep. I had multiple people like message me or comment. Like it was the interview I didn't know I needed um, <laughs> yep, because he's so great. Good. And, and yep. I, I got him last year um, in Phoenix 
and was kind of blown away by him. I was like, wait, this dude is so, he's so smart and able to explain things in such a way. Like, cause a lot of, you know, a lot of all these guys, like you have to be smart to be in the league. You have to understand the concepts and all that stuff, but to be able to explain them the way that he does. Um, I was really excited to get him again. Um, the Jordan love thing. And I wrote about this. He, he was like the biggest star of the week. Um, entourage had it buzz had it everyone i talked to wanted to talk to me about jordan love can you believe like what he did he wasn't even there yet he didn't even show up till friday um and everyone 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 wanted a piece of jordan love um was on all the big shows and that it was just a cool thing and, and i only got a couple minutes with him um but you kind of get it right away and the the flashball moment for me was we're we're talking we're chatting um and Shadur Sanders comes back Deion Sanders son who plays at Colorado the quarterback who's probably going to be an NFL quarterback in a year comes by and daps up Jordan Love made interview and Jordan Love immediately just like snaps out of it daps and comes right back in it and she's like ever like I, I don't know that they know each other I, who know I don't know yep but just like to have the cachet that someone would come over Someone who knows the media game, like Shadur Sanders, would come over and in the middle of the interview have to just say hi to Jordan Love. Um, he went right to do Cam Newton right after. And those two guys had a great, but they again, he got five minutes. Cam Newton with five yeah. minutes. I think maybe they did eight minutes, but they only had five. And uh it, it just it it stands out to me. I had I had a number of people come up to me and just be like, I can't believe the Packers did it again. I just I, I can't believe one of the one of the um the bears guys that was there in the middle of his show jordan love walks by and he stood up and he goes i'm a bears fan you're ruining my life to jordan love and it's just sort of like that I, I think i will always remember that not just because i got to talk to him but just because radio row decides like if you're a tuesday guy you're not a star if you're a wednesday guy you're not a star but if you're a friday guy and you've got 15 people in your entourage and 16 PR people and you're on Dan Patrick and you're on Rich Eisen and you're on up and Adams. Like you're a star and Jordan love. He's a star. Yeah. That was really fun to see. I also thought, yeah, just in some of the like press. And I talked to Tom Grassi. That was pretty cool too. Yeah. That guy, what a week he had too. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't released week. that interview yet, but I'm excited for that one for sure. You never know um, who you'll meet in the bathroom at radio row. It's your story. <laughs> uh, no, one of the things I took away because I, I think one of the things that Jordan took away from Aaron a little bit was in press conferences, really sort of choosing his words uh, carefully. Mm -hmm. You can tell he, he uses ums a lot in his press conferences, but you can almost tell he's like pausing to like think of what he wants to say and how he wants to say it. And I think he got a little of that from Aaron. It was just really fun, especially, you know, talking to you, talking to Cam Newton, obviously the, uh, the Micah Parsons one, especially um, it just felt like he was so much more conversational and it was really kind of cool to get to see what I thought was a little bit more of like, Oh, okay. That that's like kind of the real Jordan love. And again, like you said, he just crushed everything. And I, I listened to every single thing Jordan, and I could get my, my hands on, on YouTube and just all of it was entertaining and fun and smart. And like you said, it was like, you get it. The light bulb goes on. It's like, all right, this guy's able, like what he's able to do in those situations where he's dabbing one guy and then immediately back to the conversation. It's like what he's doing at the line of scrimmage. And it's just like yeah. nothing is facing this dude there. I got, um, kind of, I like to body language doctor and I like to claim that I don't, but I love to do it. And it's one of those things where, you know, Ty Dunn was early on this and I texted him as soon as I talked to Jordan and I was like, man, 
I get it now why you hear from these people because you, I, like I talked to his high school coach, Jordan Loves. And he was like, you know, he's not a rah-rah guy. He's not a loud guy. He's, you know, he's not this, you know, in your face. He's not, he's not like traditionally charismatic, right? Yep. Um, but you get it when you talk to him and you see him and he's just so comfortable being him. I felt the same way talking to Roma Dunze. I was just sort of like, damn it. He's going to go to the bears and be so good. You just like the vibes are just immaculate when you talk to him. And, and it's the same with Jordan because he's, he's just has this confidence. He just relays this calm confidence. Um, you know, Rogers early in his career got the like Cali cool moniker. He he's not, and wasn't like he's calm under pressure for sure. But he's he's Berkeley cool, right? We found that out yeah. later. Um, Jordan Love, despite the fact that he's not from like Hermosa Beach, he's Cali cool. He's California cool, calm, relaxed, and just he just exudes that confidence. And you understand why on you know on third down when he when he sees okay, it's cover zero. I'm going to set this protection and I'm going to fire the ball with a free runner to Dontavian Wicks against Stephon Gilmore in coverage. Yeah. You kind of understand how that translates because that's just who he is. He's just, he is never going to be sped up. And I, I, that to me, especially with a quarterback, and CJ Shroud has it too. CJ Shroud, a lot of the same kind of vibes, um, is is one of the reasons why he is and, and will continue to be a star. That Texans-Packers game is going to be a uh, must-view television oh, yeah. this upcoming year with CJ Stroud versus Jordan Love. I can't wait for that one. Right, before I get you out of here, really quick, I just want to circle back to some of the things we sort of hinted at earlier. That's some of these needs for the Packers, specifically on defense. I want to talk to you about corner and safety, starting with safety. Uh, I know you've mentioned and you uh, talked about on your show that this is not just something as simple as, hey, you just draft a couple guys and it's fixed. You, I think you feel like they need to either go free agency, maybe some sort of trade, but how do you want to see the safety position fixed? And then you mentioned possibly Darnell Savage. And I know, even though it's not my uh, cup, of, cup of tea, I'll let you sell me on it as well. Maybe bringing back Keyshawn Nixon and moving him to safety. What, what are your, your ideal fixes here for this team at safety? So I, I like the idea of Keyshawn Nixon um, because I think that I think he got better as a tackler, um, this season, especially. And I don't think he's ideally suited to be a nickel corner. I just don't think he has the twitch, um, and the explosiveness to do that, but the ball skills, the instincts, the, the playmaking, that is, that is what they need. And I think like bring, if you're not going to bring back Darnell Savage, which I would advocate for, but like, I would understand it if they didn't. And I would understand if Darnell is like, I need something else. I need a different circumstance. Like, that's fine. I think he can go somewhere and have a nice career. Um, bring back Rudy Ford if he's healthy on a on a sort of another one-year prove-it deal and, and give Keyshawn the chance to win that free safety job. That's a nice start because you have Anthony Johnson Jr. there. You're you're building something. Um, I, I just don't love this safety class. Um, I wish someone, anyone would attempt to tackle. Uh, and they, by and large, don't. Um, you have yeah. the, the three guys at the top. And and now I've you know I've watched a little bit more. I think it's probably four guys. I'm not as big on Jaden Hicks as someone like Dane Brugler is. Um, I, I understand that that I'm kind of in the minority on that. But then Pro Football Focus doesn't love him either. Um, there's there's four guys that I've watched that I really like: Cameron Kitchens, Tyler Newbin, Bo Braid from Maryland, and then Jaden Hicks from Washington State. Um, different types of players. Drafting anyone but those guys or Cooper DeGene, who's going to play safety for Green Bay, I would think. It just doesn't, I don't think it moves the needle. So go into free agency if you can. Like, I don't know why the Rams would let Jordan Fuller leave, but if they do, yep, pay that guy. 
Um, I think there are some nice, you know, sort of further down the line guys who, if they hit free agency, like safety is one of those weird positions where in free agency, like no one gets paid except the top, top, top guys. Yeah. And they're sitting, we're sitting there in July and everyone on Packers Twitter is going, why, why do the Packers not sign Trey Boston? Um, and then Trey Boston goes and plays 16 games for whoever, um, who is this year's Trey Boston. So you, I think you're going to be able to find some guys. I just don't love this draft. And so I, I'd advocate for going out and paying some money in free safety to, to deal with that. I, I, I don't know how to deal with linebacker because it's a, it's a stinky draft class. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you're going to find value in free agency. So if you're moving on from Deandre Devondre Campbell, you have Isaiah McDuffie, but you and I both think that that's not a, a real plan there. Right. And you hope they don't do the like, well, Jeff Halfley knows him. So that's enough. Um, I don't think it is, but again, I, I, I'm the same person that just said, I think they could take one in the first, first round linebacker. And, it, and that wouldn't surprise me very much. I think 41 is, is sort of the sneaky spot. I think if Cooper falls to 41, or then you have, um, junior Colson from Michigan, who's moving up draft boards right now, if he tests well, um, end of the first early second, that's, that's right in line. I, I kind of like it at 41. Um, I've already done a couple mocks where I've had him at either 41 or 58, and I don't think he's going to make it to 58 now. So, um, the cool thing, Andy is who could they draft in the first round where you would go, okay, that guy's going to start day one. Like what position? Oh yeah. Like from a position standpoint that we, I was just talking about this with justice Mosqueda from like, if you, if you look at what green Bay could potentially take in the first round and like, what are the premium positions? It's like really difficult to match up what green Bay would potentially like need with like a, a player on that. Cause you're looking at, I don't know, probably corner offensive tackle. Um, maybe we, you start. probably wouldn't expect the corner to start. Like maybe like, unless it's, it's someone like Ennis Rakestraw who like could be the nickel right away. Yeah. But like, okay. Like I think tackle, if you're going to move him to guard, Jordan Morgan, someone like that. Like um, that uh, the, the guy from Washington, whose name I'm drawing a blank on. Um, yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah. And uh, like that, that and a safety, but I, there's, I don't think there's a first round safety. Yeah. So then if we, if we think Edron Cooper could slide into the first round, like linebacker, there's probably not an offensive position that they draft though, where I would go, yeah, that guy's definitely going to start day one. And that's a really good position for this team to be in. That's when Brian Gutekinds likes to get dangerous. That's when Ted Thompson liked to get dangerous. So um, this is this, I think this is going to shape up to be a, a very um, maybe confusing, but potentially like they might get a little wild in this draft. Like I could definitely see that. I, do you think they're going to make five picks in the top 100? I do. I do. And I know, I know where I you're like going. They're either going to make like two or like eight. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Okay. So I, I guess it could go either way. Um, I think that's probably around there. Like Goody just loves his picks and I, I get what you're saying um, from like uh, they could probably use more upper echelon talent and maybe move those picks up to again, like two or three picks rather than keeping five. But man, I just, I know Goody loves his picks and I, my guess is they probably take, if I had to guess somewhere closer to five than like the two that you're mentioning. The weird thing too is, and this is the first draft where this is true in a while. And I, I just did this on our, on our mock draft on locked on. I, I gave up the 25, 41 and one of the thirds. I don't remember what I think 88 and got up to seven because that's like right around the value. Yeah. Um, that probably doesn't happen. You probably need a first round pick to get into the top 10, especially with the quarterbacks in this draft, but just draft value. And I got a lot of people going, I don't want a receiver that bad. Cause I did it for Roma Dunze, who I love. Um, yeah, he's amazing. But I don't know if there's a guy that I'm just like, they have to move up and get this guy. 
I just don't, I don't see it in this draft because I just don't think the roster is in that position, but they have so much flexibility, like just 25 and 41 on the draft of draft value chart says that's worth like the 10th overall pick. Yeah. So, but like, who are you going to go up and get? That's the question. That's where I'm more of like, yeah, I think that's why they probably more stick. And I think they just kind of go shopping and they try to get as many guys as they Good can arts. to yeah. compete. I, I'm, I kind of love it. Uh, and, and again, I think he's going to have the flexibility where if he does all of a sudden, like, Hey, one of my top 10 guys is sitting there at 18. Like, I think he's going to go get them. And I think it's the same token. If he gets to, you know, bottom of the first and it's like, Hey, maybe it is one of these linebackers or safeties that we like, and we think we can get them early round two. Like I could see them easily trading back round two and picking up picks and hopefully finding another version of Carl Brooks and Dontavian Wicks on day three of the draft with those picks again. So it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a really we're not going to have the Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams trades this offseason, like that's caliber of things. But like, I think it's going to be an extremely fun offseason of five top 100 picks. I think they're going to do something in free agency. Um, I'll, I'll end with this. Is there a safety, a Geno uh, Stone, uh, Xavier McKinney, someone like that, that you would just be like, oh, that would be freaking perfect? I think all the names you mentioned, um, Jordan Fuller, Geno Stone, Xavier McKinney, those are the names that I think are, because I like Antoine Winfield, I don't know why he would leave Tampa. Like they're just, they're they're going to move heaven and earth to keep that guy. Um, Especially after, like if they had gone five and 10 or five, what is the the math? Five and 12? Um, Five and 10 was never the math. But uh, (laughs) I, I don't know why they would do that. I don't know why they would let him walk. All the safeties after that. I'm like, Jordan Fuller, easy played for Jeff Halfley. Like that's a, that's a no brainer. I think Geno stone again, I don't know why Baltimore would say that guy can't play for us. Why would we pay that guy? Um, so <laughs> I hate to be a buzzkill, but I'm just sort of like, I don't know how many of these players that the Packer fans want are ultimately going to be available. Like it's, it feels, it feels like we're going to get to the, the, to the day of free agency and it's going to be very judge smalesy. Like you'll get nothing and like it because there's just, there's not going to be a lot of options. Yep. And you're going to have to, you're going to have to like, someone's going to cut someone in July because they don't want to pay them $12 million a year. And that's going to be the guy that you sign for nothing. Um, it's why I just did a show called like the, the guy who's going to make the most impact on this Packers team. We're not even talking about, because I think that's ultimately something that happens, whether it's like a day three pick that just pops or it's a trade that like, we didn't even know was possible. Or it's the guy that they sign in July, a la Devondre Campbell, who comes in and plays meaningful snaps for them because Jeff Halfley goes, I can help this guy or whatever. It just it seems like that's more likely than the like, let's just throw the bag at Jordan Fuller. Yeah, we know how Green Bay operates, right? I, we all want the Xavier McKinney's, the Antoine Winfields. Yeah. I've looked at a guy like a Cameron Curl, who's still only 25 years old, somebody like a Julian Blackman from the Colts. You're probably looking at more of like, you know, you're eight days into free agency and somebody like that is still out there and Green Bay takes a flyer and says, yep, we'll, we'll, we'll live with this sort of thing. And then we'll build during the draft again. But Peter, amazing stuff as always, uh, again, plug uh, whatever you'd like to plug, but obviously the leap is fantastic. Locked on anything you want to get out there. Yeah. Um, the leap.football is the the website. I, I believe the leap.substack will redirect, but it's the leap.football is the, is the official URL. We bought that URL um, because nice. it's like the stuff so much, which is great. Thank you. Um, Locked on Packers, of course, wherever you get podcasts on YouTube, um, trying to catch you on YouTube, but we're still working on that. Um, and we're just all playing second to Tom anyway. Uh, and uh, that Locked on Sports today, if you're if you're like, okay, I'm, I'm Packers out. I'm, I've hit my limit. Um, Locked on Sports today is, is all sports. It's our all sports show. It's all the big stories you need in under 20 minutes most days. 
um, wherever you get podcasts. It's really fun. Um, and um, I host it. Yeah, go check it out. You can, of course, follow all of his work at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can find the podcast here at Packaday Podcast and me at Andy Herman NFL. That is going to do it for us today. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Oh, <laughs>